Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Wonderful is thy works, O God. Miraculous you are. In every word that you speak, there is power, power, power in the name of Jesus Christ. The name you gave us to pray by. It's for us to exercise and to overcome by that very faith that comes out of your word. And Lord, that everyone in the new year will have a new experience with God, a fresh, a, a, a fresh empowering, invigorating, inspirational, uplifting, spiritual growth encounter with your word. And that we will go into the future with the word of God right under our arm every single day. Never to leave the word behind. Always with us, wherever we go. Even if it's on a cell phone. Lord, we will be with the word wherever we go. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise after you like that. You know, I spoke about courage and discouragement this morning. Conquering fear of failure. I've just typed a few things here. And um, anxiety, childhood, traumatic experiences, children at home that go through terrible experiences. We know that. And panic attacks, you know, panic attacks are just so serious. And I, I, I said depression, fear, anxiety reaction. Um, and then we see that pride and self-aggrandizement is rampant at the moment. Uh, we've got to win that war of right thinking, I'm putting here. You've got to have a mind of full peace and wisdom in the midst of all the trouble, despite all the chaos, chaos of the world around you. And then we took a look at the Oxford Dictionary, what is the word courage. It's the ability to do something that actually frightens one. In fact, like David and Goliath frightened a whole army, that single man Goliath. Bravery, strength in the face of pain, or even grief, that you're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's just like it is. And so having said all of that, I was just meditating about 1 Samuel 17, where King David, the young anointed king, not yet king, but he's already been anointed by Samuel, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, King David and it departed, the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. Now, if you look at the word Saul, uh, we also know that the word Shaul is the Hebrew pronunciation of it, Shaul. It means literally someone demanded. There's a few meanings that are very interesting in this if you do analysis, but now I'm just reading here from the dictionary. Saul means demanded. The people said, we want to have a king. And Samuel the prophet was highly upset. He said, why do you need a king if you've got God? He's, he rules over us. He reigns over us. We need nothing more than God to rule South Africa. Amen. Than God to rule the UK. 
and every nation of the world. I tell you, a king shall reign in righteousness and the government of the world shall be upon his shoulder. Thousand year millennium is around the corner. There's a period called the tribulation and great tribulation, which is really around the corner and very close now. It's coming in at high speed. We see what's happening in society. And so they demanded a king. And he was hiding and then they made him king. And I always call him the king of the lower nature, the flesh. But it's very interesting that uh, going into the pictography and all the deeper meanings in the ancient Hebrew of the time, uh, it, it speaks of, and it's very interesting, uh, the underworld, appointed by the underworld. I never saw that before, but I discovered it in the dictionaries. And I have many dictionaries on this computer, full of dictionaries, Hebrew, Greek, and anything you like. And uh, I noticed that it means uh, one from who has, has been demanded by the inspiration of the underworld. And hence, this dictionary, dictionary here, Hitchcock's Bible names, uh, says death. And so we have another man called Saul who became the apostle Paul. Had to get rid of that name, and God gave him the name Paul so that he wouldn't be aggrandized and called him Paul, which means little, and uh, so that he would not be boastful. And uh, it's, it's just an amazing thing. They demanded one, and the inspiration is from the underworld, literally, as the dictionary says here. I can read it for you. I can do it over and over. But you get the picture. Now, here you have a man, not of God, but by demand of the nation. We'll have a king. And Samuel goes out into great detail, tells them what problems you're facing when you have a king that rules over you. After him would come King David. And I think David, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest statesman that lived in world history, King David. And uh, it's amazing. Mind you, I must also include somebody because, um, you know, Moses, did you know there's one verse, is also called a king in Yeshurun, which is Israel. He's also got that title. It talks about the king and then referring to Moses. I was actually surprised to find that there. Prophet, priest, and king. And David, prophet, priest, and king. These men changed world history. From David and his father Jesse, the root of Jesse would be the Messiah. Who is out his name? Somebody was asking me during the, um, when the, the band visited us out there where we live, and uh, I sat at the table to have a meal and they started bombarding me with questions. And they said, now, how do you say Jesus in Jewish, in Hebrew? And, uh, and they came with all kinds of uh, things that they, the name of the Father, everything was incorrectly pronounced. But be as it may, one would not know unless you studied these things. And I said to them, as far as the Father is concerned, I refuse to to um, pronounce his name correctly because I know how his name is and sounds. And that has been clearly revealed to me, very clearly. I know exactly what that name is of the Father. 
But he said, you will not use my name in vain. And if you have the fear of the Lord, you just don't even tell people because they get irresponsible and they get themselves in big trouble. So I will not get into that. But then they, they spoke about uh, Jesus. And I said, I said, in the Hebrew, it's like this. It's twofold. Yeshua. Yeshua. With the emphasis on the second part of the word. Yeshua which means Savior, the one who saves, the Savior. And um, there is Joshua, which is meaning the same, same exact, same meaning in the Hebrew. It's like a synonym of it. It's got the same root, everything. Joshua, Yeshua. And then you have Ye Yehoshua, which means the same thing. And um, there was a rabbi in Israel, Kaduri, that was the most respected man. There were countless thousands of people that went to that man's funeral, and he had a meeting with God, and to him was given the name of the Messiah, and he, and he, and he said that uh, God said he would, he would, after his death, he would be able to uh, release that name, and after the um, death of Ahil Sharon, which is the ex-Prime Minister of Israel, Ariel Sharon. And um, so Sharon died and Kaduri died, wrote the name of the Lord, the Messiah, on a piece of paper, kept it in a safe, and so they were able to open it up and, and they saw thousands of Jews know about it. And he came out with the original, like Aramaic-based uh, pronunciation of Yehoshua, or Yeshua is his name. Now that must have stunned a couple of them, big time. I think today Israel is full of secret Christians. I'm telling you now, I met some of them. So here is David, who would produce the son of David in his lineage, both Joseph and Mary being from the tribe of, uh, of uh, Judah, from King David's direct lineage. And um, it's, it's an amazing, if you, if you study it, that both these people, but then before Joseph knew his wife-to-be that was betrothed to be Mary, she was, um, can I say, was found with child by the Holy Spirit, and that one was called the Son of God. And God spoke in a dream to Joseph and said, this is of me. The Holy Spirit has come upon your wife to be, and you must protect her, obviously, and gave him all the instructions that he needs. And doing a little bit of paraphrasing here just to make it like a normal, you know, nowadays story. And so he didn't do anything about it, and he didn't know his wife intimately until they were actually, until the child was born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So, it's interesting how they demanded a king when Jesus is the eternal king, past, present, and future. And Samuel was very upset about it. And of course, Saul, inspired as this, these dictionaries, more than one of them saying the same thing, uh, the one verifying the other one and authenticating the other one. So looking at this, I'm thinking, Lord, they demand, uh, demanded their will, their king, 
the majority, okay? And there it is. He had his own will. He didn't have God's will in him. He would not obey God. He soon found himself with trouble when Samuel the prophet said to him, go and wait for me at Gilgal, down by the Dead Sea side, and they'll give you instruction what God would say to you. And of course, he didn't wait, but uh, they struck Amalek, and he didn't carry out the command of, of Samuel. And then, of course, Samuel the prophet ripped his garment and said, the Lord has torn the kingdom away from you. The spirit of the Lord came upon King David, departed from Shaul or Saul, and from there, David became the king. At that time, through historical movement now, he became first persecuted. All these major people, like King David, so with Jesus, uh, first there was the popularity, killing, slaying Goliath. Then there was the persecution through the jealousy, fruit of the lower nature, the flesh, of, of Saul the king, he got jealous. And then after the persecution, there came the exaltation. So the same thing happened to Jesus. First the popularity, the word spread about him, then hatred and jealousy, scribes, Pharisees, the Herodians, and the whole lot of them, uh, they came against him with everything that they could. And uh, of course, finally, there were the temple priests and everybody and they demanded that he be crucified. But had they known, and even the rulers of the darkness of this world, had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Because then he struck Satan right there where he was, took away from him the keys of life and death, died innocently, paid the price, and arrived as the righteous one, the righteousness, the, I say, righteousness of God himself facing the enemy and defeating him and taking away from him the power of death and life setting at liberty Hebrews uh, 2 verse 15 those who all their life were subject to the bondage of fear unto death fear unto death and we see how people fear in these days how they fear and react out of fear so we are in a time that's very difficult. Now, it doesn't change when the Holy Spirit's upon you. It does not have any impact on you. Uh, and what goes on here in your mind is like that which I've also typed. Uh, we've got a wind war of right thinking, getting and obtaining the correct mindset that we think right when we face problems it's got to be the God kind of thinking. Now, what helps also a lot, if I just help you with this too, is I've got a couple of, of the Bible on audio uh, versions of it. And uh, I would, if I, for some reason or another, can't get to it, I would listen to it and just listen to it. And sometimes, very often, you could actually slow down the pace of the one version which I've now got from 100% normal speed to half speed to a quarter speed so the reader reads slower, which gives you more time to, to get through it all. But you take it at the normal speed, at 72 hours, you're through. That's the whole Bible, 72 hours, like that. And I was the, finished at the beginning of February, but when I started like that, from January 1 to February.
So what happens to you is, as you're going along, you actually want to listen to a times half or times 75. You take it slightly slower, and you're very alert that you understand every, every word that is there. And there's a thing to understand that David understood that put him over, that bolstered his faith. You must understand, the Bible as we have it now did not exist in the days of King David. Yes, they had the Torah, which were the scrolls of Moses, the five books of Moses, and then the rest of the so-called Tanakh, the writings, the kings, the chronicles, uh, the, uh, the uh, prophecies, or rather the, the, uh, the, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the wisdom books, and so on. It divided in the Jewish way in a different way, the old Tanakh, the old Old Testament. They got a different secret, and they put certain groups together, which I've got no problem with in any way, because they're all together. They work together. And so uh, when you look at the Bible and you understand what it actually says to you, it's engraved. Because why did God say these words to Jeremiah? I will put a new law. I'll give them a new law. I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I will write my mitzvahim, my commands, my laws, in their hearts, even in their minds. See? So he would come and write in the hearts of the people his word. Now, if I'm tuned in with God, and I'm a living sacrifice. I use that word very, very carefully tonight because I wanted to emphasize this concept and this principle of when a person is, is really truly born again. And when you get to, an, get to the place where your life becomes a living sacrifice. Now, in Israel, which is... 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 says, Now these things happen unto them as examples unto us, unto whom the end of the age has come, the New Testament church. That happened to them, that's an example to us. When you go through it and you understand it, God has a process that is busy happening to you. And that process this morning, I've, I've, I've read this Bible and read the Bible and I've read the Bible and I've read the Bible. And, uh, but this morning, when uh, just after I finished everything, washed my hands, and I was drying my hands in the, in the bathroom, and uh, I walked to the study, opened the Bible uh, on Leviticus uh, uh, 13, verse 30, and Numbers 13, 30. And there it was. I looked at it. Now, the lamp of the body is the eye. And suddenly my eyes were flooded with light. I literally, I've never had it like that. Never. I mean, often you read through the Bible and you have what they call a rhema word, a speaking word. It talks to you. You get a verse in a day. But here a process was happening. And I was extremely beyond blessed. It's like triple grace where I realized that, that I experienced Holy Spirit power flowing from that word as I looked at it. I kept my eye on it, and I felt how the power of God was flowing from that word. It was the word 
of the word who became flesh and the word spoke and it was so so shall my word be that proceeds from my mouth and so I looked at it and I experienced something that I haven't experienced before never like that it's the first time in my life of the how many times of serving God I focused myself on that and I was like a magnet on that verse and I experienced like power and light shining towards me and flowing into my mind and into my heart. And I just stood there and Maud was getting ready to uh, say, let's go. I just stood there and I looked at that, that word and I said, oh my God, is this what happens to a man or a woman or a child if they read this book? If you read this book, David only had the Torah, the five books of Moses. There would come the books of, of uh, the book of Joshua and the Judges. And he came at the end of that, uh, of the first of the kings. And uh, so there was maybe already documented the Judges and uh, all those other resources that they have in the Jewish world in their libraries. And uh, David had some other thing that was his great support and his great strength when he had to face Goliath. Now, we all know the story of Goliath, but he had something else that he understood. And I emphasize words here very emphatically and specifically with a purpose. He understood what the word covenant with God meant. And when he opened this, his mouth, to speak about Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would challenge the armies, now notice, of the living God. It's covenant talk a billion percent. Because number one, the word uncircumcised, remember Abraham, as a sign of the covenant in the Old Testament, Abraham had to be circumcised with his children. And they did so. And from there, there was the Abrahamic covenant. And we are the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. So, it was the sign of a covenant. The covenant with God included God's protection, God's provision, God's resources, God's power and strength, God's ability becoming available like in the case of Samson. In the case of David taking the slingshot and striking that giant once between the eyes and he penetrated his skull. They picked up a skull. I had a picture of it. It was in the newspapers. Real, you could see it's, it's a massive man. And uh, they said, skull of Goliath found in Israel, question mark, uh, near the cave of Adullam, which is where David was. It's very close to the place. Just a, literally, just on the other side of a hill, there's like a, a, a break in the hill. It's like you would go through this groove 
here in the mountains, this portal, can I say, here in the mountains, just on the other side, is the cave of Adullam. And going looking uphill, you'd see Bethlehem, Bethlehem in the distance. And he said, who is this? Let me use another terminology. Uncovenant, non-covenant, Philistine. He has no protection. He has nothing that can withstand the power that is available to me and to Israel. They don't even know it. Who is he? Again, covenant that he would defy the armies of the living God. Because in that covenant with Abraham, he saw that a covenant runs from generation to generation. See? To this very day. Galatians 3. Now we understand that those who are of faith are the seed of Abraham. Romans 2.29. And he is not a Jew. He is that outwardly, but he is a Jew that inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Colossians 2.11, the circumcision not made with man uh, or of man, made by man. So David knew that old bunch there, I stood between those two hill, hills, I picked up stones from there, I looked at that hill, I looked at the Philistine hill, it's a little bit higher in my personal estimation, maybe I was closer to it, maybe so. I don't know, but it seemed a little bit higher, a little bit steeper. But here, standing by that river, was this giant, one of the Giburim, called the mighty ones that were in the earth. You find them in Genesis, from Genesis chapter 6, in the flood and after the flood also. David and his men sorted out the Giburim. Uh, when uh, Caleb was over 80, he, he said, give me the hill. Where that Anna, where the Anakim, the long necked giants are living. It's a place called Hebron. David would rule from Hebron for, for seven years. And uh, he said, Give me that place, I'll take it. And he did. And God was with him. Because we do not understand our ability when God's with us. We do not even understand what is available and what ability is, is available to us. Because of this word covenant. When he saw Israel, he saw the covenant people. And in covenant with God, Abraham being called a friend of God. And they are in covenant with God because of their great, great, great grandpa. They're standing in a covenant with God. And he says, there you, fundamentally, you are the army of God. He actually, in what he was saying, he was getting their attention. Little boy. Research tells me matric age, 17 years old. My age when I was a matric. 17 years approximately of age. Standing in front of a giant. Those giants were tall. Some of them were measured. For, I've got a book of the giants and their skeletons at home. Some of them were huge. But they could easily reach 15 feet. In fact, Og, the king of Bashan, had a bed of 15 feet. And in fact, at the base of Babylon, the Tower of Babel, there was a section that was given to the Giburim, which were the giants. Gibur, Giburim, plural. That were given to the giants. And there were these massive beds that were there. They were there. 
But when Joshua struck the promised land, they spread and they fled out of the country, spread around the globe, and uh, they went as far as the southern part of South America. They went through Europe, and we have those large Stonehenge stones there, and they can't figure this thing out. (laughs) It's piezoelectric stone. When you put pressure on it, it gives you a certain frequency. And there's another one like that in America. And there's the same thing in South America. When they arrived from uh, that island, what's that, Easter Island with those heads that come out, when they dug around it, they found that they were massive. They're actually massive statues of huge beings like mankind. And from there, they came with rafts over the sea towards Peru, and then they went there, and when they roared, because they were hungry, it caused a shuddering going through the mountains. And reading the ancient manuscripts there of the Mayans and those, those people that were there in that time, the Incas, they, they screamed so loud, their, their voices were so loud that they fled. There are paintings that I have, artwork paintings, where literally they would run, catch one of these bison. Now, I've, I've been with a bison. I've seen what size they are. They're massive. They would take one under the arm and rip its, its legs off it like that and eat on the run. That's how powerful they were. Stands David, 17-year-old boy. He says, hey, you're a Philistine. You ain't got no covenant. My ability has just become God's ability. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in this world. Are you listening to me now? I have a covenant with God. Covenant man I am. And what's more, what what that character, twisted character as he was, Goliath from the city of Gad, I passed there also in Israel. What they're now busy with excavations there. What that giant is, is a nothing. He could be 50 feet tall. It does not matter. God looks down from heaven above, and 50 feet is like nothing to the Almighty God. In fact, he says the nations are but dust in the book of Isaiah in the, in the sight of God. Here stands little boy, sizes up this giant, ignores all the other things about him, even the size that he was. Couldn't be bothered about taking up the shield and armor of King Saul. Couldn't be bothered about it. Goes down with a slingshot. He's ready to take on the giant. Collects five stones. I've got five stones from that very spot there where the battle took place. Just behind, across from the cave of Adullam around the corner. I stood there and I looked and I thought, oh God, this young king had faith. What he knew concerning Moses, the Torah is called the blueprint of creation. And I've seen that too. I've seen that if you analyze the codes on that, it's over and over. It's the blueprint of how God put things together. In fact, you find the creation situation, Genesis 1 and onwards. And and it's just amazing. He stood there and he couldn't be bothered what he was tall, muscular, athletic, could run, 
100 meters in five seconds doesn't really matter. Didn't really matter. He says, who's this? How dare he defy the armies of the living God? Now he's one with God right there. He's one with God right there. And you know what? Being one with God, it's like he was pleasing God so much by what he was saying. It's almost as if you almost have the impression of a whisper from, from heaven. Just pick up a stone. I'll take care of the rest. And he did. Picked up five because there were five of them. Five of these in that area. That the rest of David men, David's men took them out also. And there was the brother of Goliath and some more. They listed in the book of the heroes of King David. And you find that in, in the books of Samuel and Chronicles, Kings and Chronicles. But um, he, he took five. And there were five names. But he only needed one for one. And he took that one for one. And God says, whether you swing it like that, whether you swing it like that, I will give it the power. I will give it the direction. I'll hit him straight in his thinking box. And he was not thinking after that. Down he went. Now Israel's all brave. Here they come after the Philistines. Oh, let's go after the Philistines. We are not their slaves. They're going to be our slaves. Here we go. And they're after the Philistines. But what do you need in your hour of travail, in your hour of pain? Is a spirit of courage. Only be bold and courageous. Can you say amen? amen. That's all you need. That's all you need. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. John, 1 John 1, uh, 4 verse 4. And this is the victory. Even our faith, it says in the Bible. And then God comes and he says to the, the, the Hebrews with a secret writer, which if by analysis you look at the style of writing, you immediately, and little things said in there, coded, you, you immediately know it's Paul that wrote that letter. He starts straight away speaking God with sundry times, diverse bands spoken to the fathers by the prophets, had these last days spoken unto us by his son, and being the brightest of his glory in the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, which takes me back to the word. The word of his power. I looked into that, and energy was flowing towards me. The lamp of the body is the eye. I would have a message to people even before the New Year's Eve. Keep your eyes on the Word. Because you know not. Maybe you don't realize. Maybe you wist not what's happening to you when your eye is set in the correct direction. Because in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, said the Lord. I have overcome this world. Can you say amen? In this world. Yes. Yes, yes. And didn't he say, though I give you, Luke 10 verse 19, 
Lo, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy. Not some of it. If you understand what the power of that word coming at you, like I felt it this morning, and I was shuddering with the power. I mean, it's just like I was sort of going like this, reading, and I'm thinking, I can't take my eyes off it now. I'm fixed. This is just never seen it like this. It just, I could feel something's happening to my system. I realized how important it is to memorize the word, to speak the word under all circumstances, have verses for every kind of trouble and trial. Any problem that man has, you just go to the word. You know what? I graduated in psychology, but let me tell you, and then I was going in, I got my books for postgraduate, and I, I got entrance at, uh, at that time, then now Johannesburg University, and with Professor Skipper speaking to me, and, and I was now fixing now, I'm going into postgraduate, and bang! God brought me down to earth. And I went to a little Pentecostal church up there in Brixton, and the word of his power had a meeting with me. And I dared to believe. And the change was unavoidable. From there, you know, one's not a perfect Christian when you come to the Lord. I don't think you're a perfect Christian perhaps all the days of your life. Paul makes the statement in Philippians, he says, not that I've already attained, but there's one thing I do. Forgetting the things which are behind, I press on towards the, the high goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior, by whom I've also been, I love the Afrikaans, omdat ek ook dier Christus gegryp is. He grabbed me and he yanked me out of the way I was going that was wrong. Then he says, even after this is not that I have attained. In other words, I've not, you know, and then he turns to the Christians and he says, listen Christians, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Our biggest problem in closing at the moment is this. The church goes into a comfort mode on the internet. Now, after a period of time, everybody's comfortable. They're watching internet on Sundays. And the church is going on. Now, the church can come back. But the comfort zone is now taken over. And they need exposure to the word directly. Otherwise, they sit and there's no counsel. They sit and there's no help. They lose help. They lose hope. They lose everything. What happens to the people? My heart goes out to the people that's sitting out there that are in the congregation because there are many. But there's not the majority still they come from time to time but they are not where they ought to be okay we know we can only allow so many people per service we understand that but I tell you what there's nothing like the corporate anointing do you know the corporate anointing God can at once like he said to Moses get out of the way I will take these people and that was when he was angry at them and uh, he says and I'll smite them at once and Moses again prayed for them. Like I said this morning, I'll smite them. And uh, 
you know, it's like God's power is so awesome that he can at once also bless all of you. At once heal anybody in this place. At once. The corporate anointing is very powerful. Very powerful. From the days of the first of the prophets, they were the sons of the prophets. You know what? In, um, let me see. It is in uh, the book of 1 Samuel 10, verse 9, where he speaks to King Saul. And he says, after anointing him, he says, Then the Spirit of the Lord, these words, uh, will come upon you, and you will be changed. You'll be given another heart and be changed into another man. And when you go up the hill, you'll find a group of prophets prophesying. So he walks straight into, because Samuel obviously had a lot of followers with the prophetic. And they had the first of the schools of the prophets. And uh, he walked away, turned away. As he walked, he walked straight in the bundle of that people, right in the midst of them. And they were just worshiping and they, would, they were prophesying. And Saul fell down. And he started prophesying. They said, is the son of Kish now also among the prophets? See? We call that the corporate anointing. That's what you're experiencing here tonight. Do you understand your covenant? Do you understand the power, the word of his power? You read the word, it's the word of his power. When you take it in, you take in his power with it. It affects your whole system. You need to say the word over your system. You need to confess the word of your children. You need to confess the word of your future, of your house, of your own protection. You need to confess the word of his power. You need to cardinally understand the word covenant properly. The blood covenant. Take, eat, this is my bread, this is my body, which is broken for you. Likewise, the cup after the supper with these words, that he said these words. This blood is the new covenant with you in my blood. Drink it as often as you will in remembrance of me. See, there's the power of the covenant. Every time we take the covenant at the beginning of a month, every time we do so, we pull in that power is coming. We are availing ourselves as living sacrifices. Once on the sacrificial altar, you never get off. We're availing ourselves for God to take, take control of our entirety of life. Now, for us, there's only one thing. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit bears witness. Romans chapter number 8, verse let me see, from verse 14 through 16, it says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the huios, in Greek, it's the mature children of God. The Holy Spirit's the witness. And then Paul says, I lie not, I speak the truth. My spirit bearing witness in the Holy Spirit when I say to you what I say to you. This word didn't come to you with the persuasive words of human wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and with power. For our gospel didn't come to you with mere words. Dear friends, you have a covenant with God. 
Dear friends, understand your covenant. Think about it. Every time you come for, for your communion, we took the communion at the end of last month, and then we also had it with Thanksgiving Day. Now, we'll take communion again on the 31st. But God willing, we'll see what happens before that time because we don't know what they're going to do in terms of the COVID restrictions. But be as it may, you know, we'll make plans as the days go and come on. And the fact is that you protect it, you provide it, you have a ability that goes beyond your thinking. You are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Your sufficiency is of God and not of man. Can you say amen? Now give the Lord a good praise off of everybody. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.